0: Neighbours may have a cast of thousands but it also has a huge number of creatives working behind the scenes to make the magic happen. I've come to Melbourne to find out what really goes on in Erinsborough and where better to start than at the very top. So come on over the fence as we take a look at a day in the life of executive producer Jason Herbison. Hello Jason, thank you so much for giving us some time to have a chat with me this rainy
1: Melbourne morning. Hello, welcome to Melbourne, it'll probably be a heatwave by the afternoon. Well, by lunchtime, I was hoping. You never know. You never know. That's life at Neighbours. Well, where to start with you? You've done it all.
0: Writer, storyliner, script producer, script editor, producer, series producer, and now executive producer. That's a pretty impressive roll call there. Let's go back to the beginning. You came straight from school to Neighbours, is that right?
1: I was a huge television fan at school. Uh, In fact, uh, my report card used to say things like, he watches too much television. But I love TV. And of course, like everyone else, my age in the 80s became a massive Neighbours fan. And then I think around year 11, I wrote a letter, Dear Neighbours, hey, I watched the show, here are some ideas. I think it was quite a critical letter, if I'm being honest. And then a number of months later, I got home from school and my mum said to me, someone from Neighbours has phoned you up and they're going to call back at seven o'clock or or whatever time because they didn't realise I was at school. And then I, of course, waited by the phone, and the phone rang, and it was a man named Ray Colley, who was the then script producer of Neighbours, and he he said that he'd received my letter. He thought that I was a, a bit older than I was, but he thought I had some great ideas, and he very, very generously said, look, I think you've got some talent. Since you're only in high school, why don't we stay in touch? And, you know, maybe one day there'll be an opportunity. And that's really what happened. I was in year 11. I also lived in Geelong. And back then, the storylining writing team actually was in Sydney. So my letter, you know, Dear Neighbours, Care of Nunna Wadding, had got to the writer's office in Sydney. And then ultimately, I stayed in touch with him, a couple of other writers I, I remember he connected me with just to hone my talent. I do remember almost stuffing it up at one point, because I think I got a little bit too empowered with my critiques. And I, I do remember a little period where I thought I'd mess the whole thing up and nothing would ever come of it. But then finally, after a couple of years, there was an opportunity in in the script department and there was one role. It meant I had to relocate to Sydney and it was a trial. And ultimately, I got the job as a a storyliner on the show.
0: Wow. So what exactly does a
1: storyliner do? A storyliner, so this is a model. We call it a Grundy model, although Grundy is now Fremantle. It's a certain way some serials are plotted. Other shows are different, but we still plot this way today. And it means that there is a group of, uh, nowadays, it's, it's about four people who come up with all the ideas. And from that, the stories are turned into scene breakdowns. And from those scene breakdowns, writers, which can include in-house people, such as storyliners, will add the dialogue and, and they'll become the scripts. And how long did you do that for? I did it, well, actually, I did it for three months. And then I was called into the office. Uh, no, maybe it was six months. I was called into the office and they said, we'd like to move you to another show which is a new show that we're, we're developing called Shortland Street. So having got my dream job on Neighbours, I was then seconded to work on this other show, which I was not very happy about in the beginning, but I ended up going to New Zealand and having a wonderful time. And then when that finished, I went back to Neighbours. So I think it was about one to two years all up, including that New Zealand period. And then I left because um, one of the head writers on Neighbours had developed another show for another network and asked me to go with him. And then I worked on many, many other shows that returned to Neighbours as a freelance writer at some point in the late 90s. And you're still writing now? I do write occasional Neighbours scripts because I'm still a writer at heart and I can't help myself. So yes, I do. How do you find the time? Look, it's, it's everything with this job is time is the number one pressure. Obviously, when you're on a production anyway, I think you do write the show much faster than you can if you're an outside person. For example, I remember the Sonia death episode I wrote kind of in a morning. It was incredibly quick. It just came out.
0: So after coming back as a freelance writer, what happened then?
1: I was living in Sydney for the storylining job, even though a couple of years later all of the writers then came back to Melbourne. I stayed in Sydney and I was writing Neighbours freelance while I was working on other shows. So I continued to do that for a long time and I think it got to a point where, um, I forget what show it was, but there was some show I eventually went, okay, I can't write Neighbours anymore, I I don't have time. And then I went full time to whatever that show was. And then in 2012, I was offered a permanent in-house job, which meant returning to Melbourne. So I took that job, which was uh, initially to come in and sort of revamp the show and the stories and the characters. It was a big overhaul. And then I was offered the job producing and then executive producing and I ended up staying.
0: So what is it about Neighbours that you love so much?
1: I just love Neighbours. I think like many of our viewers, I've just got this sentimental attachment to my childhood. And I think that is the way it is for a lot of people. I do love the show, but as opposed to say many of the other shows I've worked on over the years, Neighbours is the one that just it strikes the heart because I remember being such a a fan of it. And that never leaves you, you know, when you're a teenager and you, you love a show and then, you know, you find yourself working on it. Even though all this time later at my age, I'm still every now and then, oh my God, I'm running this show that I loved so much as a teenager. So I love it. I think it's a, a really important show. I'm really proud of it. We're the longest running drama in, in the country. And I just think it's a really important show that should be treasured and should be run by people that love it.
0: As executive producer, I guess it's your job to basically put it all together. How on earth do you begin to do that with something
1: as massive as Neighbours? With a lot of help. It's such a big production. We make six episodes a week. We've been doing that since 2011. Um, We also make a lot of specials now, a lot of extra content, and you just have to have an amazing team behind you. Every week is different. There are all all these things that sort of come at you unexpectedly or you've got to go do this, you've got to do that, you've got to deal with this crisis, you've got to deal with that. But I think we all just thrive on it and there's a great team of people here and I couldn't do it without them. And that's really, really important. I I only like to hire nice people too. So I think when you're working such intense hours, you have to work with people that are good at their jobs and are good people too.
0: It becomes almost like a second family, doesn't it?
1: We are a family, we, we see more of each other than our own families and we live we live and breathe the show and I think everyone here has the desire to make the show as good as it can possibly be, which is very challenging too because there are so many different stakeholders in the show and, and our audience is so broad as well um, and we're trying to tick a lot of boxes as well as you know just the sheer challenge of making a show in this amount of time. We're making three one-hour dramas a week really in a sense. And um, yeah, but it's a, it's a fast moving train and you have to get on board because the train's going to keep going whether you're on board or not.
0: Is there such a thing as a typical day in the life of an
1: executive producer? There is, uh, but it's very, there are different tasks every day. There are set things that happen at set times of the week here. For example, every Monday morning, I'm down with the storyliners and we're coming up with all the stories for the week. And that always happens on a Monday morning, whether it's a public holiday, rain, hail or shine, we're in there. Tuesday's always a, a director's meeting. Thursday, there'll be a block to watch by the end of the day from post-production. They're sort of set things, but in amongst all of that, there are many, many other variables that make life interesting.
0: So we've talked about you writing scripts. Is there a favourite that you've written?
1: Definitely Sonia's Death. We're very, very sad to lose the character of Sonia. We absolutely loved Eve Maury, who played her, and she's still part of Neighbours. She works here behind the scenes now, which is wonderful. And I I felt, you know, very, very strongly that we had to give her a big send-off that would be very truthful as well. We could have had Sonia relapse and walk out on Toadie or do something like that. But after a decade of Toadie and Sonia being on the show, I felt that it was an opportunity and so did Eve. Eve also felt very strongly that her character wouldn't walk out on Toadie and she'd never leave her children or anything like that. So it all kind of meant that Sonia really had to die. Uh, and there was a storyline, which I'm not sure if you'd remember, but a lot of your listeners can probably remember on a show called A Country Practice in the 80s where a character called Molly died from leukaemia. Here in Australia, it just stopped the nation. We were all so invested in, in Molly. That was a longer death. It went over a number of months. We sort of had less time to do it, but we all felt that it was an opportunity, and so we wanted to do it in a big sort of way that would also, you know, shine a bit of a light on ovarian cancer and early detection and all of those things because it is a terrible, terrible disease. So we all felt very invested in that. Everyone has been touched by cancer. I lost a sister to breast cancer in the 90s, and I think we, you know, as I, as a writer, brought all of that to the episode. So did everyone. Then that made it, and we all just really threw ourselves into this idea of what would you do if you only had one day left to live and that was the story she knew that day that the end was it was coming
2: i know we're gonna to have to do something but uh yeah i just don't want to be morbid where everyone it kind of feels like they have to act a certain way yeah i just kind of want a memorial by the lake like what we did for caitlin but joyous and no one in black and i think all of that would it'll be good for around um, for now and hugo
1: I'm very proud of it, and I I think the cast, director Kate Kendall, the editor who cut it, Kylie, everybody just did the most amazing job, and it was very moving for everyone, and then ultimately the audience.
0: It was absolutely beautiful.
1: Yeah, I mean those sorts of episodes. We Neighbours is a, is a show that covers many things. We can be you know heavy drama. We can be a little bit French farce at times. There's the odd doppelganger that can pop through. We just have the unique positioning, I think, among other soaps as well, where we can do all of these things in the same breath. And when we occasionally do do a story like cancer or like some of the other subject matter that we've covered, it's just an opportunity to touch people in a way that we maybe don't all the time.
0: What was your favourite wedding?
1: Oh, Aaron and David's, definitely. And it was a very recent wedding. Again, being our first same-sex wedding on the show, it was very moving for us making it. And to have Magda Sabansky here Obviously she was a very big part of the marriage equality debate. She was a beacon really for everyone during some tough times and it was just very, very special and I've never had a storyline here on the show where so many people have come up to me and just said, you know, thank you or this has really moved me, but it was it was just very moving. We are here today to honour the love between Aaron and David. No, uh, David, David. David and Aaron. <laughs> By joining them in marriage
0: one question i did want to ask you is has the change in rating from a g to a pg meant that
1: you can explore more hard-hitting storylines definitely so we're still a daytime show and we're still an early evening show here in australia and we're very mindful of that but it has meant that we can i wouldn't say that we're telling completely different stories to we would in the past but we are telling them a little bit differently you know, for example, we couldn't show blood for many, many years and now we can show blood. Um, you know, we've we had things in the past where someone got shot without any blood. Well, you bleed when you get shot, so we can show those sorts of things now. But we, we are very mindful, though, that we are still a daytime, early evening show. We are still family-friendly viewing. And I think the, the move to PG just kind of recognises that the landscape has changed a little bit. Obviously, young people are seeing all sorts of content now. On network on streaming and it just allows us to be more contemporary
0: and of course you have made a couple of on-screen appearances probably most recently did i see you as richard the catfish
1: you did see me as richard the catfish uh very very recently yes i i have i I don't love the camera my daughter's been an extra on it a few times she loves the camera much more than me but yes uh, it is a sort of alfred hitchcock ish cameo for the 35th anniversary
0: brilliant didn't go unnoticed So the reason we're here is 35 years at Neighbours. That's a very impressive achievement.
1: And you've got a bit of a treat in store. We've had many milestones here at Neighbours and we hope to have many more. And every time we approach one, we always say to ourselves, what can we do that we haven't done before? And this time around, our broadcasters were very keen for us to do another event, another sort of spin-off, if you will, or extra content, and in the UK to play at 10pm and here in Australia to play as a second half hour after the 6.30 half hour. It's very exciting. It's unique for Neighbours in that we had to come up with a way that the two shows could run together but also be independent of each other. And is that as much as you can tell us? So we're telling two stories across the week. We're telling a a very warm and nostalgic story at 6.30 and then at 7 we're telling a much more heightened and dramatic story about our character Finn, played by Rob Mills, whose memory has returned, and along with the return of his memory, so have his evil impulses. And he, in the lead-up to this week, has decided that he very much wants to be with Ellie, played by Jodie Nasta. Ellie was always the object of his affection, obsession, but standing in the way of that is a bee who is dating at the moment. We go to the island for Ellie's 35th birthday, and Finn, as part of this group of people that goes to the island, sees it as his opportunity to have B, perhaps meet a bit of a nasty fate and that sort of kicks off the 7pm week but from there on things unravel and it becomes progressively worse for Finn and by the end of it all we will have three deaths five weddings. Wow that's epic. I'm so excited about
0: the specials. Oh look there's Natalie Lynch the series producer. Let's see what she can tell us been here at Neighbours for five seasons is it now?
2: This is my fifth year and what a year it is celebrating the 35th anniversary. It's been um, wonderful to be a part of a big milestone like this because I started just after the 30th so I missed all of that hype and we certainly celebrate the 35th with a bang.
0: So what can we expect?
2: This big week of Neighbours is everything. It has drama, it's got your nostalgia, there's love, there's so, so much drama and also a lot of heartbreak and a lot of the content is quite confronting and it's been fantastic being able to make a week's worth of content with just such a variety of different storytelling and it's something really different to what we usually do. Part
0: of your role has been to coordinate the logistics for all of this. Sounds like it's been absolutely epic.
2: It has been huge, and now I can look back and laugh and (laughs) celebrate. And look, it's actually a producer's dream to be um, from the early stages. We started planning it eight months in advance and to be a part of that thought process of let's do something huge. It, it was a dream come true and each step along the way, I mean, there's always challenges in everything you shoot. This was epic though. So this was creating five extra episodes and we make 260 episodes here a year. So it's a lot of content. Five extra episodes doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it is a lot. And we usually shoot everything here on the back lot. And with the special end game episodes, everything was basically shot out on location. So you've got an island. <laughs> you have a lot of drama, a hell of a lot of stunts. Um, obviously filming in Melbourne, we decided to shoot in December because that's in line with our shoot schedule and for it to air in March. And it rained and it was freezing and I made actors jump on a boat in 15-degree weather in their bikinis. (laughs) So there were a lot of little challenges like that along the way. For instance, the director Scott Major showed up to the beach that we were filming a bulk of the scenes at and um, it was covered in seaweed and not just a little bit of seaweed. Like, the whole beach was brown. And so I'm thinking of ways, how do we move this seaweed? We're going to need a truck. We're going to need, I'm going to have to go down there with a rake. (laughs) Um, And luckily we found another part of the beach that wasn't so badly affected. We lost locations like days before we were meant to shoot. So we're furiously trying to find other locations. And just the logistics of having all of those cast members on an island out of our back lot and also trying to shoot the main show at the same time was, um, it was very challenging. So we had a lot of whiteboards, we had a lot of meetings on the floor, lying on the floor, (laughs) but we have such an incredible team here. Scott Major, our director, he makes everything work. So he was amazing having him on board from the story team just helping rewrite elements to help with logistics, um, Chris Donis and our ADs and our scheduler, they really, everyone had to step up. The entire building basically stepped up and just go, okay, what can we do to make this work? So we're really lucky in that sense that we were able to just lean on everyone and we honestly worked so hard to make <laughs> the extra five episodes, which is end game, But also back in Aaronsborough, we had five weddings. So when I initially told our costume designer, hey, just a heads up for the 35th, we're going to have five weddings. And he was like, haha, yeah, no, what's really happening? I'm like, no, I'm serious. (laughs) There's going to be five weddings. (laughs) So everyone was just like, what? It's actually a really big deal for us to do weddings here. So um, there's so much work that goes into it. So to do a whole wedding festival was just, Huge. So we had all of these huge elements at play at the one time, but the end result we're just so thrilled with, and we hope that the audience love it as much as we do.
1: Looking for your
0: next favourite podcast? Why don't you head over to Short Black with me, Sandra Sully? I talk to all kinds of amazing women who are making a difference. Good women, great chat. And we can expect to see some familiar faces returning.
2: Is that right? Absolutely. And I'm so excited about that because some of the faces were back when I was a huge Neighbours fan. And so I was totally fangirling when some of them came back in. <laughs> and it, it was just great having that energy and, and having people return to the show and, and just talking about how much the show meant to them after all these years and it does make you stop and think this this place is actually magical. It's so wonderful to be a part of this big neighbours world and I, I'm sure the fans are going to love seeing those faces and the storylines that come with them. And I think that just that nostalgia, you don't always get to do that. So when you're celebrating an anniversary, it's nice to, to have those people come back and have these types of stories that we can't always do.
0: So it sounds like this is your dream job.
2: It totally is. (laughs) I'm so lucky to be here. Yeah. And just working with such amazing people. It really is the people here that make the job enjoyable and everyone is just so passionate about the show. And hopefully that comes through the episodes as well.
0: So just to clarify, what's the difference between a series producer and a producer?
2: Look, there's not a lot of difference, really. A series producer, I guess, is just looking at the overarching series as a whole. Um, So we kind of divide and conquer here. We've got Jason, the executive producer, who really steers the ship. And um, it's essentially his show. And he is fantastic with story. And then so once the story is in place, that's when I step in and I just look after the overall running of everything. So from the director's scripts through to the shooting scripts, liaising a lot with the cast, helping with logistics and schedules and finding locations and finding, you know, costumes, working with the costume team. And it's really just a little bit of everything, which is great. So I get to work with every single department, which is amazing, work really closely with the cast as well. Yeah, so there's there's not a huge amount of difference because we also have Andrew, who's our producer as well, who just came on before we were making Endgame. So I was like, it's not always like this, but if you can get through this, you can do everything. <laughs>
0: Now, I understand that you're actually the only female producer here at the moment.
2: That's right, yes. So there's a a couple of us producers and at the moment I am the only female producer. So, I mean, Fremantle and neighbors were really big advocates of diversity and gender parity as well. So I've never really felt as if, you know, felt any different being a female and all of the females here are celebrated and really supported. But it is really nice, particularly in some instances, you do find yourself working with a lot of males because, you know, the director might be a male and then you've got other male producers and ADs. And I think it is really important to have that diversity because everyone brings with them something different. And, you know, with some of the stories that we're telling, I don't want to give away any spoilers. But there is a lot of confronting content, and I think it's quite nice sometimes for there to be a female producer to help some of the female cast along with with storytelling and making sure that they're comfortable. They may not always be comfortable talking to a male about costumes or or some of the content, and I think also just you know stepping in as an audience member as well and just kind of looking at some scenes and and making sure that we're portraying things correctly and and it doesn't just stop with gender it's you know we're quite diverse here in terms of different abilities yeah so I think it's really important to just have a a really vast variety of different people along the way so from script all the way through to the shoot and then in post-production so you're really making sure that it's a well-balanced series
0: and we're seeing that represented more and more on screen as well which is fantastic
2: Yes, absolutely, and um, again, it's really important to us here at Neighbours and particularly Jason to make sure that we are portraying all walks of life because, you know, I remember how important it was being able to watch Neighbours and, you know, I grew up on Neighbours and I think it still plays a really important part in society. And I often tell the crew this, that you guys have such an important job because you're always there for people when they need you. You're there every single night at 630 You're there when they need to laugh, when they cry and I think for people sitting at home who feel as if they don't fit in or they're not represented, seeing that on screen it really does make a difference so it's really important to us to keep pushing that through.
0: And you produced the five-part web series Erinsborough High as well. Did you have any input into the storyline there?
2: Yeah, I absolutely loved Erinsborough High. Jason had the, basically had the storyline in mind when pitching it to the networks. And then he worked more closely with the writers to really flesh it out and plot it out. And then once the scripts were written, that's when I came on board. And I, I loved doing something a little bit different. And we really set out to make Erinsborough High different to the main show. So giving it an edgier tone. You know, we wanted to appeal to teenagers and I think it's really important to put yourself in that kind of headspace. You guys don't know where Olivia went, do you? Uh, In case you can't tell from my excitement, I was busy finishing my last exam ever. Apparently she's missing. Like, missing, missing? Come on, it's been a couple of hours. We all saw her earlier. Well, it's not like her to miss a Year 12 exam, though. Okay, love the girl, but she's a drama queen. We work very closely with the school across the road from us and just hearing their feedback after watching it and they said it was actually like our lives and and what happens in high school. And I think that's often misrepresented when you have adults making content for teenagers. I often tell our young cast members if the dialogue's not right or if something doesn't fit right, I mean, you are 18. In real life so you know you tell us what doesn't kind of fit right because I think I'm cool but I'm really not I still say lol and no one says lol anymore <laughs> um, so yeah Erinsborough High was great and I think it enabled us to do a bit of a deep dive into stories that usually we wouldn't give as much time to because we've got so many characters to service in the main show so it was such a wonderful experience and hopefully we get to do it again
0: So what would be your favourite Neighbours storyline?
2: Oh, this is such a tricky question. I've got two. One, I'm really biased about because I'm a huge Hanson fan and um, I'm such a big fan that when I heard they were coming to Melbourne last year, I had to send them an email and I asked if they wanted to be on the show, thinking that they would say no. And they were kind of interested, and I was like, oh, my God. So then we had to come up with a (laughs) storyline. And so it was actually Jason's idea. He's like, why don't we just have a music festival? We've always wanted to have a music festival. You're, um, (laughs) Hanson.
1: Well, yes, but technically I'm Isaac. Nice to meet you.
2: That has to be my favourite storyline because I got to meet Hanson and I'm so obsessed and it was the best day of my life, even though I've had a child. Don't tell him that. (laughs) So I loved that storyline, the music festival and having Hanson visit. But I also really, really enjoyed the storyline when Sonia was Skyping Toadie and saw that he had an affair with Andrea still here Jared. i'm here you haven't hung enough- up and then toadie realized that andrea was andrea and not d whoa mind blown <laughs> that was yeah I, I really enjoyed all of the drama and eve's performance and it just all of it was just brilliant i mean that's that's my top two but i actually have a million favorite storylines but I'll, I'll leave it there <laughs>
0: There have been a number of amazing celebrity cameos over the years, apart from Hanson. Is there anyone else who stands out?
2: Well, no one could ever beat Hanson in my eyes.
1: (laughs) We heard you were a fan, so we thought we'd bring the music to you.
2: But what what I find really interesting is these big stars, particularly from the UK, come out here and they are starstruck. We had Jess Glynn come out also for the music festival and she was like, oh, I've got to meet Toadie. And it kind of just reminds you of yeah the impact that Neighbours has over in the UK and although Adele didn't come to set she visited Ramsey Street and we were all like oh my god quick someone get in the car and drive down to Ramsey Street case she's still there so that was pretty exciting and I just also enjoy having the cast from yesteryear come back we touched on it earlier But um, those people who were on the show 10, 20 years ago, it's really nice when they come back and do a bit of a cameo or a guest story. It's great. So as
0: Hanson was the celeb guest to end all celeb guests, does that mean there's nobody on your dream guest star list now?
2: No, I could die happy. I really could. (laughs) I'm I'm dead. I I think... (laughs)
1: Don't die, we don't know CPR or anything like that, so...
2: (laughs) I'm just going to mic drop and leave the building.
1: (laughs) Coming up on Ramsey Beat... I thought, wow, they've given me the keys to the Ferrari, but they haven't really even asked if I can drive yet.
0: I'm definitely the David to to my boyfriend's Aaron. This is going to be so huge that it's going to have long-lasting consequences for everyone on Ramsey Street. You've been listening to Ramsey Beat... A 10 Speaks and Fremantle podcast. Written, produced and fangirled by me, Ali Aitkin.
2: I'm Angela Bishop and for the past
0: 30 years I've been lucky enough to interview some of the funniest, loveliest and zaniest celebrities around. There have been some cracker interviews but what you see on TV is usually just a fraction of what's actually recorded. I've been looking back on some of my favourite interviews from the last three decades and you're in for a treat. You're going to hear the best bits, worst bits, edited, unedited, all with a bit of a backstory from me. Find out what went off before the cameras went on. This is Starstruck, with me, Ange Bishop.